You're listening to Just Another Fanboy Presents The Death of Superman, and this is episode number 10, Metropolis Mailbag 2. Hello and welcome to Just Another Fanboy Presents. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and today we ease into week 10 of the Death and Return of Superman epic crossover event, which means we're looking at Superman issue number 76. This issue hit the stands 30 years ago this week on December the 22nd, 1992. It had a cover price of $1.25 in the title of this story is Metropolis Mailbag 2. It was written by Dan Jurgens, penciled by Dan Jurgens, inked by Brett Breeding. The letters were by John Costanza, and the colorist was Glenn Whitmore. So let me tell you first what happened in the issue. A group of heroes from across the DC universe gather atop the Daily Planet to do one last task to honor Superman. Meanwhile, slogging through the rain, Mitch Anderson has arrived in Metropolis to hear a woman speak who claims to be Superman's widow. Reporters have gathered, and Lois Lane, in attendance with Jimmy Olsen, walks away from the press conference in disgust because, well, she knows better, and she leaves Jimmy behind. Jimmy recognizes Mitch, though he can't quite place from where, and thinking that Mitch is looking a bit miserable, approaches and offers a friendly ear. Mitch explains to Jimmy that he's in town hoping to talk to someone who knew Superman. And Jimmy, who just happens to be Superman's pal, tells Mitch that he's in luck and takes him off to buy him a meal. Lois, in the meantime, arrives at Clark's apartment to find Jonathan and Martha waiting. And they've brought Lana Lang with them. The four commence to commiserating. Elsewhere, the aforementioned heroes have gathered inside the Metropolis post office, where, meeting with a postal official... They find thousands of letters that have been sent to Superman from around the world. Superman, we learn, would spend every Christmas Eve there in the post office catching up on his correspondence. The heroes begin poring over the letters. Guy Gardner reads one in which a sickly old woman is asking Superman to help reunite her with her son before she dies. And though he does so reluctantly and only with the prodding of Dr. Light, Guy flies off into the night to help the woman. Wonder Woman comes across a letter from a woman who only wants to thank Superman for saving her and her children after their home was reduced to so much rubble by doomsday, going on to explain that her husband had left her and their home insurance has lapsed. So, choosing the Flash and Green Lantern to assist, Wonder Woman decides that they can help this woman and her family and thus repay Superman. Across town, I assume it's across town. I mean, I'm not really all that familiar with the uh, layout of Metropolis, with the geography. And uh, I mean, we could be next door for all I know, but across town is just a better transition. So across town, inside the Hobbs Bay Grill, wherever that might be in relation to the Metropolis post office, Mitch has a meal with Jimmy and Bibbo. Mitch recounts the story of Doomsday and how he fought Superman in their home, wrecking it, and how Doomsday left was jumping away with Superman hot on his tail, and about how Superman turned back because Mitch called out for his help as the house was falling in on his mom and baby sister. Superman turned back and saved them, and because of that, Mitch feels that he jinxed Superman, and so therefore it must be his fault 
that Superman died. And Mitch was hoping to find someone in Metropolis, a member of Superman's family that he could talk to and explain and apologize. Jimmy tells Mitch that as far as anyone knows, Superman didn't have a family, but he knows of a place he can take Mitch where Mitch can get everything off of his chest. Bibbo agrees, but assures Mitch that Superman's death was definitely not the boy's fault. And he gives Mitch enough money to fly back home to be with his mom and his baby sister where he is needed. Back in Clark's apartment, Lois, Lana, Martha, and Jonathan talk it out. And they decide that no matter what, the world must never know that Superman and Clark Kent were the same person. Elsewhere, Wonder Woman visits with a man at his apartment, informing him that the home of the wife and children he left was destroyed by doomsday. The man, Roger Anderson, had no idea that this had happened and was visibly shaken. Wonder Woman explains that she wants to help his family in a way that she knows Superman would if he was still alive. As they talk, we see Nightwing, Maxima, and Guy Gardner off helping others that had sent letters to Superman. After all, it is Christmas. Back in Metropolis, it is to the Superman memorial that Jimmy takes Mitch, who in turn talks to Superman's statue, making peace with himself as the Flash and Green Lantern repair the home of the woman who had written to Superman and who turns out to be Mitch's mom. Wonder Woman soon arrives with Roger, her husband, and Mitch's father, who expresses his regret and his sorrow for leaving them, hoping that they will take him back. Meanwhile, beneath the Superman memorial, a team steals away with Superman's body, reporting back to their boss, Director Westfield, at the Cadmus Project, that they have it. And that's how the issue ends. So... Let's just look through the book here. And uh, yeah, we start out with all these heroes. And really, it's just it's uh, Captain Marvel or Shazam, as he is known nowadays. Batman and Robin, Wonder Woman, Nightwing, Maxima, Flash, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, Guy Gardner. And they are gathering on the roof of the Daily Planet. Looks like Power Girl is there. She wasn't in the uh, splash page panel thing. But they talk a bit about death. And Batman makes this, you know, impassioned speech. Death is a part of life. Some of us have seen more than others, but all we can do is live with it and use it to make us better. And Guy Gardner pipes up that this is their last chance to honor a great man, meaning Superman. And I don't I don't understand why this is their last chance to do that. You think that they could continue the rest of their lives doing whatever they can to honor Superman. Why why is this their last chance? They again, they don't make that clear. Now granted, we learn that they are going to the the post office to read through the letters that have been building up that Superman normally reads on Christmas Eve cuz this apparently is Christmas Eve and uh maybe what guy means is that next year uh you know, now that Superman is dead, uh the post office is just going to start disposing of any letters that comes to him. So as far as this one specific task, this is their last chance to do it. That's the only thing I can think of because otherwise I don't understand why this is their last chance to just honor Superman in general. But we go from there. We see Mitch walking through the rain. And if you remember, Mitch is the, the punk kid from earlier in the story. He lived with his mom and his baby sister. Uh, their father had left them. 
He had attended the uh, the assembly that had Superman on TV answering questions from high school students all around America. And Mitch was a real jerk. He yelled at his mom because she didn't have any soda waiting for him at home, even though, uh, you know, she's practically raising his baby sister by herself because her husband, his father, has left them. And he takes his father's side because Mitch has long hair and he wears a, a backwards hat and he's into Guns N' Roses and he loves Guy Gardner. And I've, I've heard it said that Mitch is supposed to be a commentary on your average comic book reader at the time. That this was, of course, the, the, the era that uh, Image was starting to become a big deal. All of those creators had left Marvel and DC to join Image. Uh, anti-heroes were really starting to become you know, very popular characters like the Punisher and Venom and Wolverine, characters who killed and uh, were vicious and, and, and dirty fighters and, you know, dark and gritty. And, and uh, Mitch is supposed to represent the kind of reader that likes those kinds of comics and dismisses Superman comics as, you know, he's just a big blue boy scout and he's dumb and he's a nerd and don't understand why anybody would like Superman because... Only dumb little kids would like Superman. And that's why Mitch is the way he is and why Guy Gardner is his favorite superhero, which he announced in his first appearance a few issues back. And if that's true, then to me, that tells me that the writers don't have a very high opinion of people who were really enjoying those image books. I hope that's not true. I hope that's not the purpose of Mitch that this was the, the, the creative team that this was their way to, uh, I guess in a petty fashion, point out that if you weren't reading Superman comics, if you couldn't enjoy a Superman comic, but instead were liking all of the, you know, substance, you know, flash over, uh, you know, image over story and the, the dark heroes who killed and blah, blah, blah. Then you were a selfish jerk. And uh, I hope that's not what they are trying to say. Now, granted, Mitch does have a bit of a story arc. It's I don't I don't remember how long or how often he shows up in this story. Uh, we know that from if you listen to the bonus episode last week that we do see Mitch 15, 20, 30 years later in our in our 30th anniversary uh, special issue that came out back in November. But because I have mentioned a number of times now that I'm going to stop trying to make statements based on whatever memory or non-memory I may have of the last time I read through this series, you know, anything that comes after this issue, for example, that I'm going to stop saying stuff about that because I don't know. So I really don't know how much more we see of Mitch in this series. But if this if this is a character that that really was the writer's way of, uh, you know, if, if he's supposed to represent the reader of image comics and everything that is not Superman, then, then that does not make me feel good towards some of these writers. Anyway, so he, he shows up at this, I guess it's a press conference outside of a, I don't know if this is a, a city building or a library or the Capitol. I, I don't know. They don't tell you where this is, but it's a woman standing at the top of the stairs, uh, speaking into a microphone and she's announcing to everybody that she is Mrs. Superman 
And for years, Superman and I have lived secretly in a Park Avenue penthouse in New York. He kept our relationship secret from the world to protect me from his enemies. But ours was a life of vacations in Vegas and Paris. And it's at that point that Lois Lane calls out, oh, please. And then she leaves Jimmy there because uh, she's rather disgusted. And, you know, I would be too if I was in Lois's place. She, of course, knows more than anyone else there that this woman's a faker and uh, she can't she can't take any more of it. And she leaves. Now, this is when Jimmy notices Mitch standing there in the rain by himself, huddled under his jacket, and he's looking very depressed and despondent. But I almost found this scene kind of creepy. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm supposed to be more of a, you know, hey, it's okay for you to approach a complete stranger on the street and find out if they're okay. But with with Mitch being a teenager, and I know that Jimmy is not... He's not an old man, but he's he's out of high school. He's I'm assuming he's gone through college at this point to get where he's at. I mean, I I have to assume Jimmy is uh, 25 years old, maybe at the most. But still, for him to just approach a young boy in the rain and be all like, hi, my name's Jimmy Olsen. Are you waiting for someone? It's like, all right, creep, take a hike. You're not going to you're not going to make me get in your van. That's what it kind of feels like. Uh, but Mitch, you know, doesn't get any creepy vibes off of Jimmy, I suppose. And he tells him that, uh, says, Hey, that woman that walked off that said the lady up there wasn't really Mrs. Superman. Is that true? And, and, uh, Jimmy tells him, yeah, pretty much uh, she can't be Superman's wife. I mean, who knows? And, and Mitch tells Jimmy that, you know, he's hoping to talk to someone who knew Superman and Jimmy's like, then you found your man. You look hungry. Had anything to eat? And again, I'm almost like, do you want to get in? You want some candy? Come get in the van. You know, it, it just to me, it feels wrong. Uh, granted, Jimmy has nothing but the best of intentions in his heart. Jimmy's a good kid. Uh, but this could have gone uh, the completely wrong way if if uh, Mitch had misinterpreted Jimmy's intentions. I'm just telling Jimmy to be careful. You got a good heart, dude. But, you know, you got to be careful. You can't just approach teenage boys alone in the rain and uh, invite them out to get something to eat. You know, you can't do that. I mean, I guess we all should if we're coming at it with the, with the good intentions of helping out our fellow man and, and whatnot, you know, just, that's just not the society we are anymore. And we weren't that society back then either. This is not a, well, that was just the nineties. Everybody was nicer to each other. No, they weren't. The world has been a cesspool and America doubly so. For a long time. So Lois, then we get to Lois who shows up at Clark's apartment. She is in tears, but she finds that Jonathan and Martha are there and they, she hugs Martha and she's so happy that she finally has someone that she can talk to about this. And Martha tells her that, you know, that they're there for her. And Lois is kind of taken aback for a moment. You know, how can you be here for me? How can I dump all of this on the two people who couldn't even attend their son's funeral. And Martha tells her not to worry. Don't worry about Jonathan and me. We're here to help out and to get Clark's things in order. And that's when we learn that they have brought Lana with her. Now, I did say in the summary that they brought Lana with her. And uh, I obviously read that wrong because as I'm looking at this panel, Lana is uh, just suddenly pops out of nowhere and says, I hope you'll let me help. And Jonathan says, Lana, we didn't expect you. So apparently she tagged along 
in secret. She just happened to show up at the same time. A lot of big coincidences happening in this issue. We have uh, Wonder Woman choosing the one letter out of thousands to, to help a woman who turns out to be Mitch's mom. We have the, the one person that approaches Mitch at the press conference to, to see if he's okay turn out to be Superman's biggest pal. Uh, you know, L- Lana, I mean, we don't know if Lana showed up right after Lois got there. For all we know, you know, Lana has just been creeping about out in the hallways waiting for everybody to show up so she could make her appearance. But a uh, lot of coincidences. So we then get over to the post office and uh, we're in the room where all the letters are. And I have to say that whoever was in charge of Superman's letters should probably be fired. There, there has to be a better way to store mail. And having worked for a year and a half for the post office when I was in my 20s and having a dad who worked for the post office for a number of years and retired from the post office, I don't think that this room would look like this. Uh, they have bags overflowing with uh, letters uh, sitting on the floor. There's a box just full of letters that were just dumped haphazardly into this box. And then there are literally letters just strewn about the floor and on top of a desk. It's like somebody at one point just started throwing the bags of mail in here and then just started throwing handfuls of letters into this room. And and that's that wouldn't have happened. I, I just cannot see that happening. You know, the, the post office has ways to store mail. They have trays that that they 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 store mail in. You know, these would have come through uh, a, an automatic sorting system that at the very least would have put them into a bunch of trays so they would be easier to to look through. They wouldn't have just thrown them onto the floor. And I, I understand the idea here is to try to illustrate exactly you know, how many letters that, you know, it's, 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 it's so you as the reader would go, good Lord, look at all this mail. And you may not get that kind of feeling looking at shelves that are full of trays that are full of letters, you know, seeing them just all over the place and strewn about on the floor really does help to illustrate exactly how many letters we have. But, uh, yeah, as a, as a formal postal employee, I take a, I take offense at this. Uh, I also noticed that now um, Ralph Dibney, the the Elastic Man, is that what he's called? I don't remember what his superhero name is, and, and I'm a big fan of his. But he's there now, too. So he wasn't in any of the, the previous panels with the Gathering of the Heroes. But he's here now. Maybe he just met them at the post office. He couldn't make it to the rooftop meeting. He said, I'll meet you guys at the post office. But uh, yeah, Guy Gardner is not at all impressed by uh, all the mail. He uh, refers to Superman's fans as a bunch of dweebs, and he bets that every one of them asks for something. And so they start looking through the letters, and uh, you know they find some that, that tend to be a little ridiculous. Uh, Nightwing finds a letter from a kid who wants Superman to bring him an artifact from another planet next time he leaves Earth. Um, Aquaman... Picks a letter up from off the ground. He's literally crouching on the floor, pulling letters from the floor. Because, again, the Metropolis post office is worthless. That's, uh, if I was a taxpayer in Metropolis, I would not be happy. But he finds a letter uh, from a guy who wants Superman to help him search 
for a lost city of gold for an equal share of the profits. And that's when Guy runs into this letter from a from an elderly sick woman who wants somebody to wants who wants Superman to help her find her son. They they went their separate ways 30 years ago and uh she's terminal. She wants to find her son. And he doesn't seem all that thrilled about going out and doing this task, but Dr. Light, who is also there, again, I don't remember her being among any of these other panels either. It's just superheroes are just showing up. But uh, Dr. Light talks him into uh, going out and helping this lady. And then that's when Wonder Woman finds the letter from Mitch's mom. And uh, hey, look, Maxim is there too. Wow. Just hidden heroes all over the place. We then go to the scene where Jimmy and Mitch are having lunch. This is probably the afternoon, I have to assume. Even though it's raining, you can't really tell. They're having lunch with Bibbo at Hobbs Bay Grill. And uh, Bibbo here in this scene proves once again, he's a great guy. Though I probably would have been even more creeped out had Bibbo been the one to approach Mitch in the dark, in the rain, and uh, talk to him the way Jimmy did. Because it just, it didn't, it didn't, just watch what you're doing, Jimmy. Come on. Anyway, Mitch explains to, to Bibbo and to, to Jimmy that tells him the story. Superman was tearing up his house. The league was there. Superman came and saved everybody. Bibbo, of course, is like, well, of course he did. That's Superman. That's what he does. And uh, Mitch is like, yeah, but Superman found Doomsday at our house. Superman was about to catch him because if you remember from the story, Doomsday had leapt away and Superman went flying off after him. The uh, the the house was falling in on Mitch and his family. Uh, Superman kind of figured that there were other members of the league that weren't incapacitated and that they would help. But uh, Mitch starts calling out to Superman to come back and help. Superman does turn back and see that there's nobody there that can help other than him. And so just as he's about to basically grab Doomsday by the ankle, he turns around and comes back to help. And Mitch thinks that because of this, because he's the one that called him back, that it was all his fault, that he jinxed Superman. And uh, Bibbo assures him that, no, that's it's not your fault. Superman does what he does because he's a good man. and it was just dumb luck that he died, but he died saving everybody in the city. So Superman's going to die. There's, there's no other way he would want to go out than to go out that way. And uh, Mitch confides in them that he used to think that Superman was a real dork. And he just, he wanted, you know, and that he was joking around about that with his friends earlier that day. And he just, he feels like he jinxed Superman and he wants to find somebody. He, he'd heard about this woman that was going to give a press conference claiming to be Superman's widow. And he wanted to go there to apologize to her. And uh, Bibbo and Jimmy assure Mitch that Superman didn't really have any kind of family. And uh, Mitch says, I'll just, I'll just read you what Mitch says. That's so weird. My own old man ditched us months ago. Like he didn't care no more. He always said he never should have been married. So we got dumped. And then he slams his fist on the table, knocking over his drink and says, and then a complete stranger comes along and stands up for us. Superman died fighting for us while my own father was nowhere to be seen. So, you know, Mitch is starting to come around. He's starting to understand that, you know, life is not defined 
the life, the way he thought life was, isn't the way life really is. And he's starting to understand that it's a bit more complicated. And Jimmy tells Mitch that he knows of a place. Superman might not have any family, but he knows that, that, that there's a place, one place that he can take him. And, uh, Bibbo agrees. He, he kind of knows where Jimmy's going and he agrees. And then he gives freaking Bibbo gives Mitch money. He says, your mom must be worried about you. You better be getting home. So go do this thing you're going to do with Jimmy and then go home. And Mitch, you know, says, oh, come on. I can't take bus fare from you. And Bibbo says, there's enough there for airfare. And then he says, if Superman was still around, he'd fly you home himself. And so, yeah, Bibbo's just a generous guy. From what I understand, again, I've said it many times, there's a big chunk of post-crisis Superman that happened before the death of Superman that I did not read and that I will be reading very soon. Uh, but from what I understand, Bibbo uh, actually won the lottery. Bibbo has a lot of money. And so uh, he doesn't walk around all fancy with fancy clothes. He, he apparently bought a bar. But other than that, he seems to be using his money to help other people. And I, that's another reason why I like Bibbo. Uh, so we get back to Lois and Lana and Jonathan and Martha, and they're discussing the idea of should the world know at this point that Superman and Clark Kent were the same person? Because after all, people are going to start asking questions about Clark. I mean, they're they're at this moment, you know, they're in this 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 point, this time frame at this at this point where there's still a massive search going on throughout the rubble in Metropolis looking for missing people. But there will come a point where most everybody is going to be accounted for whether they died or whether they're found and rescued. And there's going to be no trace of Clark Kent and questions are going to be asked. And the fear is that uh, sooner or later, somebody's going to connect those dots. Somebody's going to find something that will connect those dots. And uh, Jonathan basically just stands up and says, you know what? Clark wanted his privacy. He wanted to live a normal life and we have to respect that. And so they they decide despite the fact that the the world seems to think that they deserve to know about Superman's life. It's up to them to keep it quiet. And so they all agree. Jonathan says he considers both Lois and Lana like daughters to him. And they all agree to, to keep the secret. In the meantime, Wonder Woman visits this guy, Roger Anderson, who again, turns out to be Mitch's dad who left Mitch and his mom. She explains to the guy what happened to his family, and he's all like, I had no idea. What happened? Tell me all about it. As she's telling him what happened, we see Nightwing giving a present to uh, two children who uh, looks like it's outside a homeless shelter, maybe. I don't know. I think this is two scenes that are melded together because we see Maxima outside of a homeless shelter using her telekinetic powers to hold a bunch of food like she's delivering food to this homeless shelter i'm going to assume that these kids are probably orphans because they're they're uh i don't know they're different races so that's just me assuming and uh you know what happens when you assume i don't want to make an ass out of any of us so i shouldn't assume we see guy gardner he has found the elderly sick woman's son and reunited them and he looks like he's feeling pretty good about that and then we get a couple of pages where down the left side is Mitch's story where he and Jimmy have gone to Superman's memorial and Jimmy or Mitch, sorry, not Jimmy, but Mitch kind of uh, 
bears his soul to the memorial. Now, on the right side of the page, we get Green Lantern and the Flash rebuilding Mitch's home. This is when we kind of learn that this is Mitch's mom who had written in, you know, this, this great coincidence. And then we see as the, the, the scenes come to an end, because as Mitch, you know, if you're, if you're not quite sure if this is Mitch's mom, there's a moment where, you know, as Mitch is talking to Superman or talking to Superman's memorial, he pulls out a picture of his, himself with his mom and his baby sister and his dad. And that's when you realize, oh, you know, people like me who, who don't uh, get things right away. Uh, we're very surface level when it comes to a lot of stuff and we don't, we don't pick up on clues very easily. People like us got to this point and went, oh my gosh, that's Mitch's mom. How cute. And uh, it's, at, it's at that time that Wonder Woman shows up with Roger, Mitch's dad. And uh, Mitch's mom turns around and says, uh, Roger, what in the world? And Roger says, Wonder Woman told me what happened, Claire. Why didn't you call me? And she says, when you left us, I swore I'd get by on my own. You said you didn't love us anymore. So, and he interrupts her. That's not true, Claire. When I realized that if not for Superman, I would have lost you all. I want things to work, Claire. I want us to be a family again. And they hug. And uh, that's the last we see in this issue of Claire and Roger, Mitch's parents. And they're, I'm sorry, cynical dude, but there's a big part of me that hopes that there's a scene following where the two embrace, where she says, too little, too late, jackass, you left us, and then punches him in the nards. That's that's what I want to see. But we don't see that. We don't know what's going to happen with Mitch's family, we're going to assume at this point, because the the Dan Jurgens at least, is trying to write uh, a story about hope, uh, a very anti-image story. And there's part of me that feels like I, 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 I'm I bitter about that, that, that that makes me angry, that 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 Dan Jurgens is trying to use this book and this storyline as a soapbox to stand up in front of the comic reading world and say, these books are better. Everyone who reads image books or books about anti-heroes, you're reading the wrong books. They're not good for your soul. And I don't know, I think any time for there's a big part of me that anytime somebody seems to stand up and try to show everybody that what they're doing is better than what other people are doing in kind of a, uh, that stuff is trash and my stuff is, is the real deal. That always rubs me the wrong way. And I'm not, I don't want to jump to conclusions here. I don't know that that's what he's doing, but once I heard and I almost feel like it was Dan Jurgens that said it. I don't know. I may be wrong. I'm just, I'm talking out of my butt here, folks. You know, I do that. But within the last few days, I know I ran across a story in which the idea was put forth that Mitch is supposed to represent the comic book reader that reads image comics, that reads anti-hero type comics. And uh, once, I, once I read that, once I heard that, wherever it came from, uh, this entire issue as I'm reading it, just, I just, I gained a different perspective and whether or not that perspective is correct, I don't know. And I'm trying to keep an open mind. Uh, I don't want one article or one interview or wherever the frick it was that that came from. And that's, that's the, the, the problem here is that I don't remember where it came from. So I don't know. I, I shouldn't rely on it at all, but it's, it's sticking there in the back of my mind, like a, like a little bug, like a little worm. 
saying, remember that? Remember what you read? Remember what you heard? Is that what that guy really means when he says this in that book? And I, I'm trying to ignore that. But unfortunately, that has uh, thrown a bit of a cloud in front of my enjoyment of this uh, this issue in general, you know, this issue in particular for some reason, simply because Mitch is in it and it was written by Dan Jurgens. And uh, I'm trying not to be that person because right now there's nothing that I know of you know, for 100% fact that any feeling I have toward what might be uh, underneath the text here, whether any of that's true. I don't have a, I don't know of anything other than a faulty memory that what this bad feeling I am having about this writer and this issue, if it's based on anything that's true. And even if it is, maybe what I heard or what I read Maybe I'm taking it out of context. Maybe maybe Dan Jurgens did say that Mitch, to a, a certain extent, represents maybe not the reader of Image Comics, but uh, just those types of stories in general. The idea of superheroes that um, aren't quite bad guys, but aren't quite good guys either, and typically solve all of their problems with violence that uh, nine times out of ten end in death. And I get that. So, you know, I got to try to uh, push the bad out of my brain and uh, stay optimistic and stay open and try not to let this stray errant thought cloud any more of my enjoyment of this story. And as I'm saying this, I'm looking at the very last page here in this book, and uh, which actually is not the last page because I just realized that's the second to the last page. But we're seeing a splash page of Superman's memorial. We're kind of looking down upon it. Jimmy and Mitch are walking away from the memorial. And I'm noticing probably for the first time that Jonathan, Martha, Lois, and Lana are approaching the memorial. We get to the last page where Lana, Jonathan, Martha, and Lois are standing in the rain, which seems to have turned into snow because, again, it's Christmas time. They're, they're huddled together looking up at the memorial. And that's when we go underneath and we learn that director Westfield has stolen Superman's body. I mean, that is a great way to end an issue. It really is. Despite anything I might've felt in regard to any kind of subtext or meaning or hidden agenda behind this issue, that cliffhanger is a great way to end this story. Cause you got four panels on this last page. Panel one, is Lana, Jonathan, Martha, and Lois. Panel two is mostly black. There's an orange hole in the middle of it. It's a man, full figure, very small, standing in what looks like the opening to a cave. And the man is speaking into a phone, cellular phone or a walkie-talkie of some sort. And he says, report, snatcher. And from the phone you get, it was touch and go with so many people up there. We were afraid the mourners would hear the tunnel drills. Then we get to the third panel which is pretty much exactly the same as that second panel. But now we're, the camera has moved closer. We only see the, the, the top third of this man. We've zoomed in. And he says, I take it they didn't? The response is, if they heard it, they didn't do anything about it. The mission is complete. Panel number five is in the foreground. The man on the other end of the walkie-talkie. He's got a headset mic on and some funky-looking goggles. 
And he's saying, the body is ours. And behind him in the background are two shadowy figures carrying a coffin between them. And you can easily see the Superman symbol on top of that coffin. And as the man is saying, the body is ours, you get two lines coming off of the word ours, which tells you as a comic book reader that the, the line that this man is speaking is not complete and that we will get the finish, the, the end of his line, the second part of his line in the next text bubble, which is then the last panel. And the guy's line is being finished. We're, we're now back to the man who is standing at the cave entrance. We have just a basic close up of his face. His eyes are shadowed. He's got these dark, almost raccoon eyes to, to make him look menacing and evil. And he's smiling. And we hear the, the, the end of the, the other man's response, Snatcher, his response. And he's, so he starts out in the previous panel saying, the body is ours. And then in this panel, he's saying, Director Westfield, just in case you were not sure who this guy was. And I wouldn't have known just looking at this panel that this guy was Director Westfield, who, you know, in the, one of the previous issues confronted Captain Sawyer and her team at the morgue when he tried to get Superman's body and was told by the mayor and the president, basically, that he couldn't have it. And so Westfield is saying, good, then bring it to Cadmus pronto. And that's how the issue ends. And I'm, you know, as a reader thinking back at this for the first time, I'm like, holy crap, you know, dude got what he wanted. He got freaking Superman's body. What is going to happen now? So I guess we should talk about that real quick. What is going to happen next? So if we go to the last page in this book, the letters page, the, the, the last page of the letters column, we get our four boxes that tells us what's coming next week, in two weeks, in three weeks, and in one month. So let's go through those. Next week, while the SCU searches for Superman's missing body, Supergirl tries in vain to take the place of Metropolis's greatest hero. That'll be in Adventures of Superman 499. So that's what you guys are going to get next week in episode number 11. In two weeks, the underworld had better prove once and for all it doesn't have Superman's body because terrible Dan Turpin and the SCU don't take any bull and they aren't going to give up without a fight. So that's two weeks in Action Comics number 686. In three weeks, back in Smallville, as the Kents attempt to put the pieces of their lives back together again, Jonathan is forced to face his own mortality. Man of Steel, number 21. So that's going to be a Louise Simonson book. And you heard what I said in the last episode, in the bonus episode, about how much I'm enjoying her issues. And this one seems to be another freaking tearjerker. So one month from now, uh, things are looking worse for Pa Kent as he finally comes to grips with the fact that his son Clark is never coming back. And so that's going to be in Superman number 77. So I hope you all stick around with me. I hope you all come back. I, I hope all of you are reading this right along with me and enjoying this as much as I am and uh, did not let everything I said about what I feel is below the text in this issue cloud your enjoyment as it did to me to a certain extent. I mean, I'm, I'm going to come out of it. That's what I do, but that's what we got coming at you in the future. So until then, thank you for listening. Just another fanboy at gmail.com is the email address. If you want to write me, uh, if you, you know, if you want to record something a couple minutes long to give me some feedback, you can attach it to an email to that email address. You can also call the voice line 
You can use that to leave a voicemail or you can use that to text. Just make sure, you know, I keep saying it. If you text me, tell me who you are. I can usually decipher who people are by their email address. And typically, if somebody leaves a voicemail, they just tell me who they are. So uh, do the same if you're sending out a text. Uh, at Stephen or else is the handle I use over on Twitter and Instagram and Hive. Um, I'm also on Facebook, though I'm, I'm not really there all that often. Uh, but you can also come over to the forums, forum.justanotherfanboy.com, and uh, just start posting. Help, help us help us build a community out there. And uh, if you want to throw a little support my way, the, the, the easiest, cheapest thing you can do is just tell everybody about the show. If you know anybody in your life that listens to podcasts and are even slightly interested in Superman, this is probably a show they want to listen to. So tell us, not tell us, tell them, tell them about us. You can also rate and review the show if that's available wherever you get your podcasts. For example, I get mine through Apple Podcasts. And based on uh, worldly statistics, most people get theirs through Apple Podcasts. And Apple Podcasts has the option there within, within each show, not each episode, but the show itself, to rate and review. But here's the thing. You don't have to review. Just rate it. Is the more ratings a show gets, the easier it is for people searching for, uh, well, for example, somebody goes into Apple Podcasts and just does a search for Superman. The more ratings I have, the higher up in the rankings this show is going to be, which ultimately what I'm saying here is by rating it, you help make the show more discoverable. And uh, that's what we want, folks. We want more people to come and join and be a part of this and and uh, hold hands and do a drum circle and all that fun stuff. But that's your no money option to support me or to throw a little support my way. If you like throwing around money, then by all means, come over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Stephen R. Join for a dollar a month. Again, if you love throwing money around, you can sign up for $5 a month or $10 a month or $167.23 a month if that's what you want to do. But all that's required is a dollar, $1 a month, $12 a day, $12 a day. That made absolutely no sense. $1 a month, $12 a year. And in return, I'm going to do my very best to get you podcast episodes like this one before anybody else outside of the Patreon gets them. You can also, you know, if you don't want to miss an episode, but you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon and, and you just don't feel like subscribing to a show and a podcast app or or maybe you just like getting emails. Subscribe to my newsletter. It's called Stephen Says Stuff. It's a free Substack, and I'm going to send you every podcast episode I create each and every week right to your inbox the morning that they are released. I also, every once in a while, will send out emails with updates about what I'm doing, what I have planned, uh, announcements. I might be sending out some announcements soon on some possible new stuff I may be doing. And, uh, the people who are going to get that first, the people who are going to know that first are going to be the people on my Patreon. And then the second people who are going to know that will be the people who subscribe to my newsletter. And again, that's completely free. All of the links that I just gave you, the email address, the phone number, all of that is going to be in your show notes. So join me back here next week where, again, we're going to be looking at The Adventures of Superman number 499. And uh, maybe we'll find out what happened to Superman's body. Join us, won't you? Bye. 
Fart, fart, fart. Boop, 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 boop